1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Saturday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Maybe you're listening to us on Sunday. Regardless, here we are on Saturday, sitting today in the parking lot across from the Cleveland Browns training facilities. We search for spots to record these. I am Dan Lobby. I'm
2: Mary Kay Cabot.
1: And I'm Scott Patsco. And it is day three of training camp, and we are doing first and ten. And I believe today we are over to Scott to start us off. So real quick. 10 topics. We haven't prepped. We haven't told each other what our topics are going to be. We don't know if we're going to get to 10 topics. We'll see what happens. Maybe the drive will stall. Uh, Scott, give us
0: topic number one. LeBron James. No, I'm not going to do LeBron James. Let's do pads. Today was all about pads. Browns are in pads for the first time, and uh, we got to see what I guess we got a better understanding of uh, run defense run offense today there was a lot of uh running plays early on in the team sessions and even though the defense kind of knew what was coming i think freddie came away from that wanting more out of it um he you know he's barking at his offensive line quite a bit uh it was brad seaton had the unfortunate um experience of of a false start and ended up running a lap i think kyle kalis had a a bad snap later Mm -hmm. and uh he was running um so yeah, we got to see that. We got to hear pads—not really tackling, but there was hitting going on. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think it was a good start. I think Nick Chubb was one who said uh, there was some rust out there today. They hadn't worn pads since you know last season. So mm-hmm. you know tomorrow I'm sure they'll be a little better.
2: Yeah, you know they didn't tackle to the ground today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of a thud type of situation. They will be tackling to the ground in some of these practices. They didn't do it today on their first day, uh, but afterwards I asked Freddie. I asked him, you know, will you be in pads, you know, consecutive days? And he said he doesn't expect uh, to be back in shorts any time soon.
1: Yeah. Uh, by the way, you're going to hear a lot of traffic noise. <laughs> did Apparently we mention we're in a parking lot? Not <laughs> yeah, only in a parking lot, but we're right <laughs> by the, the road here in front of the facility. Um, I didn't think it was a particularly intense practice. That's easy for me to say because I wasn't out there in pads hitting people. Um, but I do think we're going to start to see a little more intensity here as the days go on. And I did think it was interesting when Freddie said to you, Mary Kay, that they're not going back anytime soon. He wants us to be a physical, uh, tough camp. All right, so topic number two, Mary Kay.
2: I'm going to go with with the two-minute drill at the end of practice today. Yeah. They really needed that. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you talked about with the run game, it was ragged. They didn't have, like you said, there were very few running lanes. Nick Chubb was getting stuffed. Um, Duke Johnson was on the sidelines with a hamstring injury. Kareem Hunt is still out. They I'm had not to sure s- if Leonard Johnson... What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Leonard Johnson was out, too, I think. Why? All right. That
1: was Siri, folks. I was pushing on a button, apparently, and it hurt the name Leonard Johnson. All right. Go ahead.
2: So, as I was saying, um, so they, they did end up signing a young running back today because they only had three healthy running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, coupled with, with the fact that the defense was a little ahead of the ahead of the offense today, yeah. they were struggling a little bit. On the second play of the day, T.J. Carey picked off Odell Beckham Jr. on a deep ball from Baker Mayfield. But Baker came back and saved the day on the two-minute drill at the end. Three plays, 60 yards, a 23-yard touchdown pass on a post route to Jarvis Landry. It started off with two passes, one to Odell Beckham Jr. on a short out route that he took inside, and then another pass over the middle to Jarvis. And uh, three plays, boom, 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 they were in, and everybody was happy.
1: Um, can we jump ahead to topic three? Sure. Because that was, well, because that's sort of, uh, the topic I was thinking of is sort of off that two-minute drill. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of combine the two. And to me, it's that hurry-up offense. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, obviously, it was only three plays. Yep. I think that's as sharp as Baker Mayfield looked uh, here in camp. Mm-hmm. A- and it kind of got me thinking. I wonder how much this team is going to utilize some of that hurry-up, shotgun. I mean, they're going to use a lot of shotgun. Mm-hmm. So that hurry-up or no huddle, try to create those those matchups that they like. Todd Munkin, of course, from the Air Raid system is going to be out there trying to create a bunch of one-on-one matchups for Baker to exploit. And I think Baker is really at his best when this team is playing fast and, you know, he gets that first completion and then he starts feeling it a little bit. He gets really hot and he completes three or four more in a row. Um, it, it just kind of got me wondering if maybe we would see more of that.
0: Yeah, it was that was everything you wanted to see from the offense right there. That's everything everybody came here to see, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, you had the first one to Odell after he caught it, it was a pretty short pass. Then he starts weaving his yeah. way across the field right. and and picking up yards after the catch and and then two kind of bullets to to Jarvis yep. and yeah that's. That's what everybody wants to see. That's the potential. It seemed like there was a, a switch that they flipped on. You know, all right, we got two minutes left. Let's let's make this count now. And, you know, the rest of practice was the rest of practice, and and we're serious now, and, and it paid off.
2: Yeah, these guys are going to be really, really hard to defend in those types of situations. And I think
1: Baker really is kind of a momentum type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's really good if he, you know, if he has been struggling, he's, he's the type of quarterback that can get himself going a little bit, but I do think he's one of those quarterbacks that can just get really hot and he's going to complete five, six, seven in a row, and, and then he's going to take one of those shots because he's not going to tink and dunk the football. Um, and, and it was really kind of our first look at what this offense could be, and I really hope we see a lot of that. You know, Whether you want to call it a hurry up, a no huddle, whatever, I know people sometimes differentiate between those two, uh, but, but I hope we see a lot more of that from this football team. Um, so I kind of cheated and gave myself topic number three, but that's what it is. What it is. <laughs> right. Scott, we're on to
0: you for number four. Uh, let's do David Njoku. You know, he had uh, he's had a good camp. You know, last year, the, the topic with him was all the drops. I think there was one practice where we had like four drops. And he was out there doing extra work with, uh, with the machine, uh, with the jugs machine afterwards. And he's been pretty consistent, I think. It seems every day he's getting a touchdown in the back of the end zone. That's a play you're probably going to see plenty of this season Mm -hmm. because they're trying to use his height. and Baker, um, I think, has gotten used to throwing to where only he can get it, and he's huge, so he's got that long catch radius. Um, He had that one. He had another nice one-handed catch on. And, again, getting back to how Baker wasn't exactly sharp all day, uh Njoku's kind of running a deep out route, and he had to put one hand out to get his hand on it, got it, pulled it back in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's, that's good for for, uh, for the coach to see because everybody kind of expects him to take a leap now in this third year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one even when uh, Baker was scrambling, and he threw it on the run, and it was short, but Njoku still almost got it. He got his hands underneath it but couldn't exactly... Um, hold on. So that's got to be encouraging for everybody to see.
2: Yeah, I am very interested to see if he can take his game up to that next level and really have that breakout year and put himself on the NFL map this year. It is time for him to do that. He's a first-round pick and this is the time in his third year with Baker Mayfield throwing him in the ball and all those other guys drawing attention away from him. It should open things up for him over the middle and otherwise. Yeah,
1: I think the key for David Njoku to go from being you know, I don't want to say a gimmick, I think he's better. always going to be better than a gimmick, but for him to really become an elite tight end is what he does between the 20s. Like We know what he can do in the red zone, we know what he can do on fades and jump balls. Can he dominate between the 20s, though, when, when the team has the ball at the 35-yard line and they need their tight end to come across the middle and make big catches? That's always been the area where he's struggled. You, know, you remember those three interceptions against Baltimore, the before the, Baker Mayfield threw that last one that ended the game, Njoku had a really big drop. And that sort of set up that interception then on the mm-hmm. next play. So he's got to be able to consistently perform outside of the red zone and be a dominant force there. But um, it, this is a big year for him. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to topic five, Mary Kay.
2: Well, we, we talked to safety Jermaine Whitehead a little bit today. And one of the things that we talked to him about was the fact that they're going to be in that sort of Four two five defense, much of the time. He went so far as to say that the base defense is gone yeah. in the NFL, oh, yeah. and and they're going to be in that type of defense with extra defensive backs so often, which is one of the reasons why they have so many of these defensive backs, uh, and and they've got some really good ones. So I think they're going to be fine. But I think it is true. I mean, when you look at the teams they're going to play, and how these teams are going to play them. The Browns and most of their opponents also are going to be, you know, playing against multiple wideouts, spread offenses, college-style offenses, and it's the wave of the future.
0: Yeah, I think he he's in this, this unique position, this versatile position on this team, where you know Steve Wilkes wants him in the box, he wants him covered tight ends, he wants him to be able to move out to the slot, he wants him to be able to move back next to uh, DeMarcus Randall, um, all these different things. And he talked a little bit about that and how he felt that. That was a position he could, he could do, and that's kind of a way that he could find his place on this team. And you know, he he was getting praise back in OTA so it's, mm-hmm. and he's still out there and is a big part of uh, of the rotation. So it's it's obviously working for him. Yeah,
1: the days of putting a halfback and a fullback and two tight ends on the field are kind of gone. Uh, yeah. You know, you're you're seeing uh, a lot of. Single tight end, single back, no tight end. The spread concepts coming to the NFL as, as teams are finally starting to adjust to the quarterbacks they're drafting. Um, and the, you know, the good thing for the Browns' defense is they get to practice again against an offense that's like that. You know, they're going to spread it out. They're going to have three receivers on the field, four receivers on the field, maybe even five. They might go empty a lot and have five out there. So they're going to get to practice uh, against uh, an offense. That looks like a modern NFL offense, and again, we just talked about it. We saw how dynamic it could be. And um, Scott, you've you've used this phrase before. Defensively, we're seeing a lot of that positionless football, especially in that back end. And I look at a guy like uh, like Murray, who is a safety, Mm -hmm. but he's also like a nickel and can maybe play some linebacker. Mm -hmm. Um, And and they really are valuing this versatility. And John Dorsey is is kind of a guy that has adapted as the game has adapted, And, and we're seeing that. Um, as we go along here, all right. So we're on to uh, to topic number six. Okay, let's see here. Topic <laughs> number six. I'm starting to to run dry here. Actually, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to throw out TJ Carey. Uh, he's I've given him a couple headlines on our site already today, um, but I think TJ Carey is his role is really interesting. He had a nice day today he really kind of saved the secondary last year because when Brian body Calhoun struggled in week one and, and, Juju had that big game against him, he lost that job uh, inside TJ Carey took it over and did really well. And then when Terrence Mitchell got hurt and EJ Gaines got hurt, Terrence Mitchell's replacement, TJ Carey was able to slide back outside and, and play the outside corner position I think his versatility, this is a guy that had sort of a rough camp last year. You know, there were a lot of videos of him getting beat. Um, Sometimes that stuff can be really unfair to a DB. When the season started, he was really valuable to this team. And whatever his role is going to be, whether it's a backup, whether he's starting on the inside again at nickel, um, I I think he's still going to be a very important piece to this team.
0: Yeah, the the slot corner is is so important because everybody's playing three wide receivers. And at the end of the season, you're going to look up snap counts and you're going to see T.J. Carey is one of the leaders uh, behind some of the linebackers, but you know, right there with, with Denzel Ward and whoever ends up getting that other outside spot. Um, so, yeah, I think you want to have quality across across the board. And like you said earlier, Mary Kay, there's you need a lot of cornerbacks and you need a lot of good cornerbacks. And I think that's one of the positions, and receiver might be another one, where guys are going to get let go from this team who are good and who are going to catch on somewhere else because of the quality
2: up top. Yeah, and, you know, I just think the competition is so good and bringing out the best in Terrence Mitchell, T.J. Carey, Greedy Williams, vying for playing time, vying for those reps, and they are all just taking it up a notch. And like you said, T.J. had his day today uh, in addition to uh, the pick on the deep ball to, to Odell. Uh, he had a couple other breakups, stop on a goal line. I mean, he was he was very, very active today. And I think that they're trying to drive competition in in this camp. And I think they're doing a good job of it.
1: And you know what? Leadership matters. Mm-hmm. And having mature guys in that locker room who, you know, they've been in the league. They've been with other teams. You know, he's not the old. He's not old. He's still mm-hmm. in his mid-20s. But leadership matters. Having a veteran presence matters. Having a guy who knows how to deal with the NFL lifestyle. You know, he's married. He's got a kid. You know, that stuff matters, having that in the locker room, uh, especially a really young locker room like the Browns have. Yeah, Scott, we're over to
0: you. Number seven. All right, let's talk about our number six wide receiver of the day. Yesterday (laughs) it was Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, Mm -hmm. and today it is Blake Jackson. Um, He had a good day. He is not... Running with the ones, he's getting third team reps mostly. Um, But he caught two touchdown passes today. Uh, Mm -hmm. One was uh, a really great uh, grab from uh, Garrett Gilbert. Um, I think Javante Dean was on the coverage. It was tight, and he had to kind of stretch out and Mm -hmm. brought it in. This is like the second of three days where where he has been noticeable out there yes um he's catching a lot of passes and again he's not going against the top competition but he's doing what he can to be noticed and as we've mentioned uh, a couple times that there's a lot of people trying to get very few spots at the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart and might turn out to be a guy who was a quarterback at a division three college not too long ago
1: yeah, and he's a guy that was here last year, uh, was, on, was in training camp last year, uh, was on the practice squad after he got cut. He came back, was on the practice squad for a little while. Um, he, he said he had a good first day, had a good third day. You know, Making plays matters, I, I think. Now, last year we saw a couple cases where the Browns kind of chose – Measurables maybe over guys who made plays. I think Derek Willis is a guy that they just couldn't pass on that size and speed. He's in the mix for one of those receiver spots this year. Um, but Blake Jackson is a guy that has made plays. And, and in the end, sometimes putting stuff on film is is going to beat out a guy that maybe has better measurables than you. So so he's worth he's worth keeping an eye on.
2: Yeah, and he's getting a few more reps right now because Damian Ratley uh, has been out with a a pulled hamstring. So he's even getting a few more opportunities, and he's definitely making the most of that.
1: All right, Mary Kay. All
2: right, I'm up again. I got a couple of things here on my mind. Um, let me go with Brian Sype was here today, and uh, you know the former cardiac kid that most of our listeners probably know maybe some don't but uh former cardiac kid they quarterback should know. they should know <laughs> um and with a couple of other former cardiac kids and uh the point here is they talked to the team afterwards and freddie is finding it really important uh for his current players to understand the history of the cleveland browns he's helping teach it uh, not only by talking to them about it, but having these guys come back and talk to them about how important this is, about what it is to be a Cleveland Brown and to play here and to light up this city like those guys
0: did. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think we'll see more of this as time goes on. Cool thing Freddie's doing.
0: Yeah, I, I, maybe he talked about it with the team, but you know, everybody everybody talks about Baker Mayfield's uh, walk-on background and, and how he kind of, you know, came from the bottom and Brian Sipe, I think, has that beat. He was a 13th round draft pick back when they had that many rounds, mm-hmm. and he spent the first couple of years of his career on the taxi squad, which is what it was called at that point, and you know, went on to be an NFL MVP. So, um, you know, hopefully, he got into some of that because there's a lot of guys in there who are trying to make this team, and, and might end up on the practice squad. Now, they don't get as much practice time today as they used to, so it's harder to develop those guys, but still. Uh, you know, that can be an inspiring story For guys trying to make this team Do you guys know when Miles Garrett was born? 1990. <laughs> I was probably old enough To drink beer at that point
2: point.
1: 1990 Close Four? No December 29th 1995 Wow was I was close. old enough To rent a car at that point So Miles Garrett Was born As the Browns were leaving Yeah Yeah He probably didn't watch his first football game until, you know, after the Browns came back in 1999. The point point here is, like, these guys only know, all these guys in that locker room only know, for the most part, the Browns since 1999. Mm -hmm. So they think of the Browns as a bad team, right, that has never accomplished anything. They don't have much history. So it does matter a little bit to bring guys in to, to maybe say, hey, there was football before, you know, you were born. There were... Jim Brown, of course, is in the building sometimes. Bernie Kosar is probably going to be around during camp to kind of let guys know that this team does have a richer history than maybe what you've seen when they were that one o'clock game on Sunday and getting beat by the Dolphins or something. You know, they, they see the Browns as they've been a joke since most of these guys were born. So I think it matters to have some of these guys come in and talk to them and say, "Hey, there's more to this than just um, than just." what you know about the Cleveland Browns. Number nine, uh, let's go with Freddie Kitchen's philosophy on team building. Because, of course, this is going to come up over and over and over again, because he's the one that started that infamous Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, hard knock scene. And it was all about resting guys, keeping guys in uniform, though, when they were taking days off. Um, Kind of, I don't know if the word ironic is the one to use, but the first soft real soft tissue injury that everybody kind of takes notice of Damian rally had one but it's Duke Johnson mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the side and of course Duke Johnson was sort of the start of that whole dust up in, in that meeting room um giving him a day off so Freddie Kitchens today sort of explained his philosophy why he doesn't want guys on bikes why he wants guys to be out there this was also based on Morgan Burnett having a lighter day kind of a scheduled lighter day um he wants guys with their position coaches. He wants guys with the other players at their position. He wants guys to be with the team during practice. He's very adamant about this. Mm-hmm. He, he says, hey, maybe somebody out there is going to hear that and think that that's stupid. Um, but that's, that's what he believes. He want, gave us a long answer on that. And I think that's probably the best explanation we've gotten from him about why maybe he brought that up last year during that meeting.
2: Well, I think what Freddie Kitchens is finding out now that he's – a head coach now
1: that he's sitting in that chair Now that he's driving the bus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Driving that now bus. That he's
2: driving the bus is that there is an exercise science component to this and there are analytics about uh, injuries in the first like five to eight days of practice soft t- tissue injuries and so he's been a little educated on that and now he's learned that players kind of some of them are on a pitch count we found that out yesterday like jarvis landry and some others are on a pitch count uh And I think he's, you know, he's finding out that you can't run them into the ground if you want to get them to the season healthy, but he's going to do it his way. And it bothered him last year, obviously, that the guys that were getting their Veterans Day of rest were over on the bikes and they were not engaged and they were in the bucket hats and they weren't in uniform and whatnot. He wants them coaching up the younger players he talked about that with Morgan Burnett today he wants them part of practice not off to the side so that's where it stands
0: yeah early on in practice I uh, was kind of off to the side of uh, the field when everybody's doing individual drills and here come you know Kareem Hunt and Duke Johnson kind of just working their way over to where the running backs were and and Duke was was there uh he was pretty close to um a lot of times to, to Freddie and Todd Munkin uh, during when they're doing uh, full team drills and uh, congratulating people and just kind of being part of it. And I think that's probably, you know, that's some of it too. It's just, it's being there for information, but it's also just kind of, you're still part of the team and you're still actively involved. So I guess everybody has data on, you know, resting and, and, and keeping guys healthy. And at some point we'll be able to kind of look at, at a track record here with what Freddie wants to do and, and see if it works. you know? Yeah, I mean, I-
1: they actually have tracking information that kind of it's almost color coded like it it turns this guy's in the in the yellow or whatever this guy they they really track it that closely with with all the tracking technology that they have available to them now they're able to kind of say all right this guy is at this point and he's at a higher risk of a pull or something like that and we've seen it in the past a hamstring injury can derail a player's season now maybe a guy like duke not so much because he's a veteran but a rookie a guy like damian ratley i mean Corey coleman pulled a hamstring his rookie year he is having a great camp pulled a hamstring then broke his hand you know but and that stuff starts to add up when you're not actually playing um things start to add up and uh those hamstring pulls can certainly get in the way of a guy especially a young guy who doesn't have a ton of experience in the league all right topic number 10 scott taking us over
0: the line for the first down the yellow line what have we got let's talk backup quarterbacks Let's wrap this up with the backups. Uh, Garrett Gilbert, I thought, looked pretty good. He threw, I think, two of the touchdown passes to, to Blake Jackson. He uh, he looked real comfortable um, finding people. There wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of nervous feet or anything. Um, in contrast, Drew Stanton had the he did the second run of the two-minute drill at the end. They only did the first and second team, and he had a hard time moving the team. There were some incompletions. He finally. Got a, a couple first downs and got within the red zone, and then threw the pick to I think it was Murray,
2: yeah.
0: uh, who uh, yep. who kind of ended practice that way. So, you know, is there a leader in the clubhouse? I know that we've said that Stanton is kind of the is the incumbent there, and it's going to take a lot to knock him out because of his relationship and his history with with Freddie and his understanding of the offense, um, at least what what was done in Arizona and what was brought here. But, you know, does Garrett Gilbert have a shot to to take that?
2: It, you know what it, it remains to be seen. I think that it will probably still work out that Drew Stanton is the number two and Gilbert will be the number three. I think they will keep Gilbert in part because because you they probably want to, will want to keep three quarterbacks, but I also think he's another one of those Baker kind of support system guys. Uh, and I think a lot sometimes decisions are made uh, with the best interests of your quarterback in mind. And I think he kind of fits that, fits into the room, and, you know, kind of just goes along with those guys really well. I still think Drew's going to be the number two.
1: I do too, because I think what you want in your number two is the stuff you just said, the the being able to prep guys and kind of serve as another coach. But I also think you want a guy that you just, for whatever reason, whatever crazy reason, you just trust that guy. You just trust that Baker stubbed his toe, you know, cooking dinner the other night, and he's got he's got to sit out this game. Drew Stanton needs to go play one game. I trust him to go and just not mess things up. And, and I think that trust factor is really important in that backup quarterback. What I'm actually curious about is how many quarterbacks the Browns carry, because we've seen this team always carry three quarterbacks, but a lot of that is a function of their starting quarterback is way too young or not ready or what you know whatever it is. They've never had a stable quarterback room. Do they go with two and try to sneak Garrett Gilbert onto a practice squad? Do, you know, how do they sort of, you know, Garrett Gilbert can maybe play his way, play so well in the preseason you can't sneak him onto a practice squad. So there might be some gamesmanship uh, kind of going on there. But I think, I I don't think there's anything unless he's a complete disaster. Uh, I, I don't know if I really see any reason that your stand wouldn't be the backup just because of that, that trust factor and that the chips are down, and you've got to have a quarterback out there that you think can play at least decent enough to win you a game, Drew Stanton's the guy they trust.
0: Yeah, and if they're trying to get into the playoffs and and beyond that, and you need that one one game start from somebody, you don't want it to be that person's first game in the NFL.
1: It's a whole different world. (laughs) Veteran backup quarterback? Yeah. (laughs) That's bizarre all right let's uh let's call it then we got 10 topics in somehow i'll be honest with you it was a little touch and go there for me i wasn't sure if i was gonna get all my topics in i'm glad i wasn't the one that had to come up with four today uh but that will do it i apologize for any of the background noise with the airplanes and the cars behind us and siri and all that stuff but for scott and mary Kay, i i'm dan thanks for listening